It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Myers on the ice, along with Burling and Barabanov. Here comes Meyer, building his way across the line. Cuts back behind the net. There goes the goalie. It's fed in front. The quick shot. Score! Barabanov right in front. Alexander Barabanov from Timo Meyer with 2.05 to play. That makes it a 4-3 game. The Sharks are down by one, and there's still time. Frustration? Aggravation? Well, it's high. It's high. And, you know, disappointed in the first period for sure. I thought our first four or five minutes were good. And then we gave up that goal, and you could just feel we got deflated and looked like we felt sorry for ourselves and really lost our way. And, you know, just really proud of the way we came back. We played two good periods, not enough against that team. You know, obviously the third goal is a killer after you tie it up. Uh, a couple turnovers in the, in, the, in the D zone, but, you know, it's a tough play because the guy throws it from the blue line and their guy's expanding, coming out to the top of the circles and he tips it and it finds its way in. And then, you know, the fourth one's just blown coverage on a faceoff, which we've done nine million times successfully this year. And really, you know, in a lot of ways summarizes what's happened to us. We're something we've done well all year. We end up giving up a goal off of it. Last night it was we've done our control forecheck well all year and we give up a goal off of it. So, you know, but love the way we battle back. We make it 4 3 and had chances to tie it. So, you know, a lot to be said for that, but obviously disappointed with the loss. Good effort, bad result. Good effort, bad result. Occasional win, good effort, bad result. I mean, that's pretty much the shark season in a nutshell right now. And you could hear it from David Quinn there coming back. The frustration that is in his voice. He knows his team is doing enough to be competitive in almost every single game. And it doesn't matter who the Sharks are playing against, whether it is the top team in the league at this point, Boston, or the second place team in their own division, L.A. David Quinn knows his team can compete against just about anyone. He just doesn't know if they can win. And everybody after the game last night, even the more positive James Reimer, you could hear a little bit of the frustration in his voice, a little bit more that is compared to normal. Same story with a Nick Benino. You could just hear a little bit in his voice compared to what we normally get. It weighs on these guys. It weighs on every single member of the San Jose Sharks because they know that over the course of that game, they gave themselves a fighting chance. Like that's really all you can ask for is to have a team that can, you know, compete in every single game. And, you know, they go down one nothing. They come back to tie it. They go down two one. They come back to tie it. And then in a matter of just, you know, five minutes time, it goes from 2-2 with a chance to maybe take the lead to suddenly being down 4-2 before you get another goal late after you pull the goalie or Reimer had not quite made his way to the bench, but he was on his way off. But these close games, these games that they're in until they are just not, I mean, that's how it is. It's like the Sharks are going 
neck and neck with each of their competitors. And then there's usually some sort of a breakdown or some sort of a difference between the two teams that is very much shown to us and made very clear to us. Like, yeah, the Sharks can roll with a team for 40 of 60 minutes, but in that one period, there is going to be a difference. Or maybe it's just, you know, 55 out of 60 minutes, they can roll with another team. But that five-minute difference is going to be where the game is won and or lost. And that's where the Sharks find themselves. Like, they are good for most of the game, but there are stretches there are moments where they're just not good enough. And last night, I didn't even feel like it was it was that bad. The fourth goal, you did not love, no doubt about it. But, you know, when you have two goals that come off of tips, there's nothing that Reimer can do, can do there unless he makes an you know amazing, unbelievable, out-of-this-world save that is just lightning quick in his reactions or guessing on where the puck is going to be tipped. You can't blame that on him. I guess you can blame the you know the defense a little bit for letting these shots get through, but I don't I don't see any way to play the blame game. It's just like the Sharks don't have that ability to push themselves over the edge. Like that's your argument for why the Sharks don't need to do a complete teardown and maybe why they should hold on to a hurdle and couture and more try to, you know, figure out what they're gonna do in the near future and try and get this team rolling again because they're just not that far off. Like, I feel that we are constantly battling for the reality of what the Sharks should do. It's like, oh, tank for the top pick in the draft and draft Connor Bedard. And then on the other side, you're like, well, you know, this team isn't that bad. Like, I know what a bad team looks like in professional sports, right? Like, you you remember what the 49ers looked like after Steve Mariucci was fired or after the parting of ways with Jim Harbaugh. You remember what the Warriors were like for about 15 years? You remember what the A's looked like Last year, do you remember what the Raiders have looked like for about the last 20 years? I mean, you could just go on and on and on. Like, you can talk about all these teams that have had these just terrible runs in the Bay Area. And as the broadcaster of the Earthquakes, 2018 franchise worst season, I saw it up close and personal. I know what a bad season looks like, and I also remember the second year of Sharks' existence in which they only won 13 games. I remember that, too. This doesn't feel anything like that. This feels decidedly different. It feels almost decidedly unique because the Sharks are not getting blown out. They're not getting skated off the ice. They're not being overwhelmed. Like These are the things that you see in bad teams. And that's not what is happening with the Sharks right now. They're just lacking enough talent and key moments to put them over the top. And this isn't some deep insight, right? Like, Talent is what wins and loses across all sports, and it's why the Sharks used to be able to win games left and right. I was talking to a buddy about this the other night. Like, you go back to the golden era of the Sharks, and you knew that on any given night, like, nine nine out of ten teams in the NHL, the Sharks were going to beat. And, you know, like, 95 out of 100 games, it felt like the Sharks were going to win at home. Like, home losses didn't feel like a thing. And now we're just watching all these losses where it's like they're just so close but can't put themselves over the top. And, like... David Quinn, I feel like, has done his job very, very well. He's putting the Sharks in a position to win games. I don't know if there is, quote-unquote, more that he could be doing. And I look at Mike Greer and the guys that he's brought in, like Nico Sturm. He has been an impact player. You look at a guy like Luke Cunningham before he got hurt. I felt like he was making an impact. I like the way that a lot of these guys have been playing. And and Asimon, I think that he's had a nice you know start to his career as a member of the San Jose Sharks over two games. But ultimately, it, it isn't enough at this point. And again, you just wonder what is going to happen next for the San Jose Sharks in terms of the decisions that Mike Greer has to make. One of the stats that they showed last night during the TNT broadcast was uh, Bob Stoffer, who is a uh, radio color commentator for the Edmonton Oilers. He was talking about the, um, the haul that the Sharks want for Eric Carlson. 
He says the Sharks want three first-round picks for Eric Carlson, and they're willing to retain up to 18% on his contract. That would be quite a get for the San Jose Sharks. It would allow them to build towards their future, and it would also be quite a get for what other team is uh, getting Eric Carlson right now who is playing some of the best hockey of his career. Like, if you look at what the Edmonton Oilers right now, like let's say they're one of the teams in on this talk that have two of the best players in the world in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they look like they're falling into the uh, Anaheim Angels of having the two best players in the world and not being able to do anything with it, adding a player like Eric Carlson, is that worth sacrificing the future? Like, yeah, I would imagine it would be for a lot of these teams in the NHL that are wondering what they can do to push themselves over the top, especially if the Sharks are willing to eat some of that salary. Now, off the top of my head, and I think about Edmonton's salary cap issues by adding Eric Carlson, yeah, I don't know how they would do it, but maybe they are thinking of it. Maybe Bob Stoffer is hearing what other people are hearing around the NHL, but if you have the chance to win, you have to go for it. If you have the chance to have that deep run or extend your window of success, you have to go for it. This is why the Sharks acquired Dan Boyle and Brent Burns and Eric Carlson and Evander Kane. And, you know, you go down the list of the many names that they were able to pick up. That's why the Sharks did it. They were already good and they wanted to try and put themselves over the top. Ultimately, the Sharks were not able to do so, but... They had a trip to the Stanley Cup final. They had trips to the Western Conference final multiple times. And every year they were a contender and they gave their fans something very, very competitive and compelling to root for. Like that's not easy to do in any way, shape or form. But the Sharks were in that position to give themselves that for years and years. Now they're on the other side of it where they're trying to figure out what they're going to do going forward. And I have to imagine that a lot of what is going to be offered for Eric Carlson at the deadline or for Timo Meyer or Logan Couture or Nick Benino or Nico Sturm or Matt Nieto. Like, that's going to be a lot of what dictates which direction that Mike Greer can go. Because I think that he's probably trying to see, okay, what sort of offers am I getting? What sort of a timeline am I looking at? And what sort of a team do I think I can put together? Because maybe he does trade some of those first-round picks for other younger talent that he feels that can come in and make the Sharks better. Like, it's not just about drafting and developing players. And if you get three first-round picks, then yeah, you could trade some of those and use some of them, or you have two first-round picks in the next draft, or you have, you know, one, and you trade two of those other picks to try and bring in some talent for other teams that have been hedging on the here and now as opposed to, you know, building for the future. Like, there's a lot of options for Mike Greer, and I think that, you know, there has been some wondering, even for myself, of like, why not make a move now while... There's not as much on the market and you can try and, you know, get something out of a team that you maybe won't get on the deadline because they'll have more options. But it's like, yeah, you have to wait. You have to see what the market develops as. You have to see what is potentially out there. And it'll be very interesting to see how this goes down. Like, I, again, I keep on talking about the fact that 2023 will be, as a calendar year, one of the most impactful in the history of the San Jose Sharks as a franchise. And we can go back to some of the other impactful years, the moves that were made before the 93-94 season, uh, the moves that were made to bring in Joe Thornton, um, you know, just huge, huge things. Or, you know, you go back to bringing in Pete DeBoer after the 2014-2015 season in which the Sharks did not make the playoffs. Those are always going to be impactful years. But, you know, that last impactful year in terms of, setting the Sharks up for success. If we say the 2015-2016 the season, like that was, that was a while ago. It's 2023. That was seven years ago. And you can also point to 2019 as being a an impactful offseason in which they let go of Joe Pavelski, signed Eric Carlson, and made Logan Couture the captain. Like, yeah, I'm going to look at that as being relatively impactful as well. But 
that's obviously, it's not leading to success, at least not in the short term. Those were decisions, hard decisions that had to be made. Um, but, you know, right now it's another one of those times, which, yeah, about every five years, organizations have to make very, very tough decisions. And listen, I know it's easy in retrospect to go back and say Doug Wilson should have blown it up. Well, when should he have blown it up? Really? Like, you want to say he should have blown it up in the 2014-2015 season after they didn't make the playoffs? Because I heard that from everyone. Oh, the Sharks got to blow it up. Their run is over. They were up 3-0 on the Kings, lost four straight, were eliminated, embarrassed, and now they've got to blow it up. Well, you know, two years later, they're in a Stanley Cup final. And then a couple years after that, they're in a Western Conference final that felt like a team that could have gone a lot deeper had you not had injuries to Joe Pavelski and Eric Carlson, two of your key players in the playoffs. You know, that first-round series against the Vegas Golden Knights I can make a pretty good argument of why that was actually the Stanley Cup final that year. I won't go down that line right now, but I think there is an argument of why that occurred. And yeah, Doug Wilson got four more years of high-quality play from that team. And then, you know, you do wonder what would have happened in the 2020 season had it not been cut short. Maybe the Sharks have a push there at the end. They get into the postseason once again, or anything could happen. Like, if you if you want to play the, the true, like, okay, let's look at when it should have been blown up. Maybe it should have been after that 2020 season. Maybe it should have been after 2021 when you've got a new coach and you don't have a great season in the abbreviated 56-game schedule. Like, I get it. I understand all these different arguments that are being made about the San Jose Sharks and where things are going to go. But, you know, that's the thing. is like hindsight and looking at things in retrospect, it's always 2020 or it's always with clarity. You already know what has happened. You can go back and say, okay, well, we don't want... X, Y, and Z to happen, so we should do moves one, two, and three. Like, again, way too easy. Nobody knows. But the thing is, Mike Greer had a very clear idea of where the team was when they came into this season and when he took over as the general manager. And I think he's able to look at that and take a look at where the rest of the division is. And listen, I mean, here's the deal. Everyone thought, oh, Calgary and Edmonton, there's one, two in the division this year. Like, literally, if you go back and listen to all my preseason preview interviews with every play-by-play announcer in the Pacific Division, and one writer from The Athletic from Vegas, we all thought, hey, same thing, Calgary, Edmonton. And at the halfway point of the season, we have been proven to be wrong. Not just a little, but by a lot. Like, that doesn't happen by accident. Like, that is because the NHL, you can never truly know. Right now, Vegas, LA, and Seattle are the top three teams in the division. Calgary, Edmonton are four and five. Like, what, what the hell? <laughs> and it's not just by a little bit. Calgary's five points by, back of Seattle. You know, Edmonton, seven points back of Seattle. This is, this is not the NHL that everyone predicted, which is my point. Like, you can only predict so much, which is why it's so easy in quote-unquote retrospect to say, oh, well, I see what they did wrong now. Well, we should have done this. We should have done that. Like, yeah, okay, maybe or maybe not. Because right now I do look at a Sharks team that has some very difficult decisions to make, but also has talent on their roster, has the ability to be competitive with darn near every team in the NHL, whether it's Boston, like I said earlier, or L.A. We're talking about two teams that are at the top or near the top of their division. That doesn't scream blow it up to me, especially if you are not going to get the return that you want. Like, yeah, for the way Eric Carlson is playing right now at a historic pace, three shots to draft another player that might be historic in the future, In return, yeah, that seems like a fair deal. But my point is that when watching all this, it doesn't really give a truly clear indication of which way the Sharks ultimately should go 
because there are guarantees that are on the team right now in terms of you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get with Timo Meyer, who they don't have to make a decision on right away. They can wait till the offseason or they can wait till the deadline. They don't have to make immediate decisions on Logan Couture. They don't have to make immediate decisions on Eric Carlson. Tomas Hurdle, we know, is locked up. But, you know, Mike Greer has options available to him, which is one of the most important things you can have as a general manager. He can wait. He can see. He can try and figure out what's on the table and then go from there. It's just that in the meantime, the Sharks are at a point where they are competitive with every team in the NHL and just not good enough to win. But it doesn't feel like they are playing losing hockey. If you want to get to the depths or the root or the core of where a lot of that frustration is stemming from right now, it's the fact that it's not terrible. It's not awful. It's not you know worthy of a loss every single game. It's just worthy of a loss more often than not because, again, they're lacking that next level to push them over the edge against the opposition. And that is a problem, and it is consistent, if nothing else. All right, we are going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to get into some post-game sound, and we are going to talk with Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey Now. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Well, for five minutes we played honest hockey. For the next 15, we didn't. And don't let's not fool ourselves into thinking what happened here. You know, let's be honest with our evaluation here. We stopped playing with the desire and you know, with the enthusiasm and with with the grit that we were playing early on. And we just started watching people. The safest place in the building in the first period was in front of our net. And you know, I thought that changed in the second and third period. We did a much better job, you know, getting into people, taking away time and space, and you know. Listen, that's not easy to do, and I give our guys a ton of credit. Like I've said, I love coaching this group. They're, you know, this is not easy, the season we've gone through. There's a lot of level of frustration because we feel like we've played better, but our record is what it is, and you know, i just just proud of the way we competed and didn't give up. Even at 4-2, we kept playing and had chances to tie. All right, that is David Quinn bringing us back in, talking about the uh, lackluster effort he saw in the first period from his team. Here's Nick Bonino talking about just the overall lack of ability for the Sharks to win games, even though they are putting in good efforts. And I want to give you the back and forth with the reporter, because I think you need to hear the questions and his responses to them. You know, not quite enough. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We're there every game and um, just can't get wins. It's frustrating for everyone and trying everything practice and video and competing and it's just not going away right now is there more that you guys can do or you guys are doing everything clearly um but we're working on it um like i said we all are searching for answers more than anyone and um tonight was just a lot of good things and one or two bad things and we lost because of it in my opinion, that's just more frustration than I'm used to hearing for from Nick Bonino. He's usually a little bit more effusive, but 
you know, I think he's probably very frustrated, like you heard at the start of the episode, David Quinn echoing the reporter's sentiments when being asked about levels of frustration. But for Benino, he had a good game. He had a nice goal. He was doing his job. And that's the thing is, like, these guys are all doing their jobs. They're not playing awful hockey. They are not being rewarded enough for the good hockey that they are playing, and that takes its toll on a team, no doubt about it. Uh, here's James Reimer talking about what happened after the game was 2-2 when it looked like the Sharks had an opportunity to take the lead. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, uh, just a couple, uh, you know, uh, third one was just a, a nice tip, and, and the fourth one, um, you know, unfortunately, I'm not quite sure what happened, but, uh, you know, they got into a good uh, uh shooting area and, and I just uh, wasn't able to come up with the save. Uh, the, uh, the high tip, but just how challenging is that for uh, for you as a goalie to kind of track? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're tough plays or, you know, every time you, uh, you know, you want to generate offense, you want to, you want to uh, get um, pucks and, and bites in that and hope for, um, for two of his bounces and, and they got a couple of those tonight. So um, unfortunate, I mean, as a goalie, you want to be able to, to find a way to make a save, but um, unfortunately, they uh, they eluded me tonight. And again, that is one of the more dejected James Reimers that I've heard now in his time with the Sharks. I mean, usually even after the losses, it feels like his responses have a little bit of a pick-me-up aspect. But I think you could hear in his voice and in Nick Benino and, and David Quinn that they just... They felt that they played like they deserved more. Even if they did have one or two missteps, it still felt like they had a chance to take a 3-2 lead in this game. And then suddenly it was 4-2 and they were staring the reality of another loss right in the face. Much to the credit of guys like Benino and Reimer and Couture, like these team leaders, these are guys who are more than willing to look at themselves in the mirror after these losses and try and put the blame on themselves. Like Reimer, Reimer talking about, you know, he could have done more. He could have gotten to him. It's like, well, you know, the third one was a tip. I don't think there was going to be much that he was going to be able to do there. I'm sure Nick Bonino is probably thinking more about the opportunities that he missed than the goal that he made. And then, you know, David Quinn, even having his team ready to go on the second out of a back-to-back in the road against one of the better teams in the division, he's not thinking about the high-quality performance as much as he is frustrated with the fact that they weren't able to win. And again, this weighs on guys, weighs on the team. You can see it. They're coming back home Friday night, which should be fun. Now we're going to switch gears and bring in Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey now. He had some good comments yesterday when we talked about where things were going with the San Jose Sharks. I mean, how does this go down, you think? I mean, what what are we looking at here as we do approach the deadline? Um, I would uh, guess uh, that uh, Meyer will, will... This is just a guess, uh, but... I think uh, I, I think with Greer, he has shown a little more. Um, how do you say this? Uh, I, th- I think I think I think there's going to be a little more willingness to, to to move on from these contracts and these commitments to players. Mm-hmm. And Meyer, though, you don't have to move at the trade deadline because he no. is an RFA, so uh, you can trade him in the off season. You can even trade him uh, next year too. And so and so, I don't know if there's going to be a rush, but. Um, I'm not sure if the, the the Sharks are going to jump in and make a long commitment uh, to to him, even though he's a terrific player. And I think the team that does make that commitment to him will uh, will benefit from that. But again, the Sharks, where they are competitively, uh, may not uh, benefit uh, as much from uh, making that kind of commitment to Amaya. And so anyway, uh, so I think then we talk about other players uh, who have done a nice uh, nice job this season or could be nice pieces for a winning team as role players, guys like Benino, Nieto, um, 
I think if there's if there is a market for them that I can see them getting moved to. And so, yeah, I, I can see this being a different team. I think the other, you know, though, uh, that it is possible that Greer may just say like, well, if I'm not, I may, I may not get a lot for these players. And so let's see if, if, if uh, you know, we can run out the clock of another year next year, you know, run mm-hmm. out another year on Carlson's contract uh, because Carlson becomes more uh, uh, attractive as a trade ship, the longer he plays better right. and the, the closer we get to the expiration of his contract. So if he somehow can sustain his play into the next year, then maybe he becomes a tradable asset because you know now teams are not looking at it as a one-year wonder, but this is Eric Carlson again. Um so so yeah, so I I so so that that possibly it does I think uh I think that I think that that can be possible too where uh where Greer doesn't necessarily uh no, just say I'm gonna give up Nick Benino for give me a fifth round pick and I and and you get Nick Nick Benino and and that's it. Um, but um, so I, but if I were the guest though, I think I would trend more toward yeah that 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 there will start to be a selling of parts and we have a different looking team after the trade deadline. Yeah, and you know that's listen that's that's what Mike Greer was brought in to do. He has um uh, you know a great job and uh, you know I think it's envious uh, to be in the position that he is. I think people are just not envious of the specific decisions that he has to make because you look at a guy like Logan Couture and what he has meant to the franchise over the course of the, you know his tenure with the Sharks. He's the captain for for good reason. I mean, if he decided to move him, that that's a tough pill to swallow for the fan base who loves him regardless of the record. You know, I, how I guess the, the question, Chang, is how do you balance that fan allegiance with those? hard decisions win some games uh and uh, i think the fans will forgive you yeah <laughs> and also too you know uh it's not just of course if you uh trade well like you traded a brent burns obviously it's a very familiar player and a fan favorite but um you know, in all sports, right? Fans are used to seeing fan, uh, seeing uh, guys like that go, and as long as you replace replace them with uh, with 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 good players, and so the Sharks will have to draft well. Then I I don't you know the fans will just honestly they'll just build new allegiances. I mean that's just the 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 the, the way it works. Yeah, no, it's interesting just because, you, like you said, you have to start winning. But I mean, I think that's what's. That's what's unclear is like the off season, you and I were talking about, you know, this would be kind of a three year thing. It'd be this year, next year. And then the year after that would be when they would start training in that right direction, which is why I get confused about the, the Timo stuff because he turned 26 at the start of this year, which means that in that third year of when it would start, you know, maybe being for playoff contention again, he'd only be 28 and he would, you know, he would still have good years as part of that contract. I mean, that's, again, I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer. That's, that's just where I kind of get hung up on it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I mean, conceivably, yeah, Timo can still be part of, let's say, uh, uh, you know, William Eklund, Thomas Bordalo, 2023 draft pick center team. Um, but um, you take that risk though, right? If you give mm-hmm. him a six, seven, eight year, year contract, let's say, let's say Timo's game. I mean, look at guys in the past. Let's just look at Sharks guys, right? Not everybody is Joe Thornton and last into his late thirties. You know, Mark Edward Vlasic had a pretty sharp drop off. Um, Danny Heatley 
uh, more of the scoring type, uh, like like uh, like Timo, right? He had a pretty sharp drop drop off crossing into thirty. Um, and so there's no guarantee. Basically, you take that chance, right? And so, yeah. um, so even a contract like Hurdle, right? Uh, uh, Hurdle is the kind of guy, you know. Hurdle, we know he how much he cares. We know that he's going to give it his best every night. We know that if Hurdle has a drop off. Um, it's not because you know hurdle stop working out or stop trying or whatever right but you just can't predict uh, when uh kind of a, a athlete's prime uh will start to sort of uh decline and diminish yeah. and so i think that's that's the thing uh with 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 a guy like timo you take that chance yeah and there's a fair chance that that four years from now he's still going to be a very good player but what if he isn't mm -hmm. and now you're stuck with another contract uh and the sharks obviously are are have 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 uh have have uh you know put themselves in paint themselves in corners in a corner with a lot of the contracts that they've signed a lot of the chances that they've taken that just uh, haven't worked out quite uh like like they imagined when they signed these players to the long deals Again, that is Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey now to hear the entirety of the interview. Look for Game 43's edition of the buildup, which can be found under the Sharks Hockey Digest podcast. And, you know, the Sharks, again, big decisions looming. It's very, very interesting. It's very, very curious to see what's happening next in terms of where the Sharks are going to go, what we're going to hear, what we're going to see, what is going to be the uh, the ultimate payoff or lack thereof from this season and this moment in Sharks history. Because right now, I acknowledge it's not a whole lot of fun watching these losses stack up and watching good efforts go unrewarded. But at the same time, if you can turn these into picks, if you can turn these into younger players, if you can turn it into a future that looks bright, it will feel like it is worth it when all is said and done. And then we can start talking about the next great era of San Jose Sharks hockey. But again, the immediate reaction to a game like last night is that, damn, they were close. They played a good game. They're always playing good games. They're just not getting wins nearly consistently enough. And that's why more change, in my opinion, is more likely on the horizon. I haven't talked to Mike Greer. I'm just basing that off my opinion and my experience in sports. You got to change something, right? You can't just roll the same thing out year after year after year and expect it to be different. That doesn't mean you have to change everything, obviously, but it does mean that some things need changing. All right, we are out of time. I appreciate you spending your morning with me as always. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. Get there in time. Loose puck near side. Carlson tried to. I make that LeBay shot and it's blocked. It's a two on no breakaway. Ayafato moves in. In front. Backhander. Save Reimer. James Reimer on a two on no breakaway stops the backhand chance from Alex Ayafato. And you better put that one in the bank as it's right on the goal line.